Hey everybody, this is Ian Reed Twist, the pastor of Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Novi, Michigan. Today's sermon was preached on April 26th, the third Sunday of Easter, and the passage of the day was Luke 24, verses 13 through 35, the story of Jesus' appearance to the disciples on the way to Emmaus. So there's this series of images that I've been mulling over in my mind every day, really, since they hit the news last week. A couple of people dressed in hospital scrubs with surgical masks and sunglasses stand in an intersection blocking cars on their way to the Operation Gridlock protest in Denver, Colorado. Now, I'm going to presume that these folks are nurses or healthcare workers of some kind because that's the way they're dressed. Have you seen those photos? In one, a female nurse faces down a sedan that looks to be inches from her kneecaps. In another, a male nurse has his hands up as a man in a Chicago Bulls tank top and a backwards cap approaches from his stopped SUV. Next, the Bulls guy is gesturing his face no more than two feet from the nurse who's looking away from the man, just not engaging and not budging. And then there's the blonde woman with the USA shirt leaning out of her window with a sign that says, Land of the Free. Someone caught that interaction on video. She's telling the nurse, to go to China if he wants communism. Some bystander off camera argues with the woman repeatedly stating the U.S. death toll at that time of 35,000. You go to work. I want to go to work too, the woman shouts at the nurse over the sounds of car horns braying. For his part, the nurse says nothing. He just stands in front of the car, his arms crossed in silence. I can't let go of these images because they raise such contradictory feelings in me. You know, on the one hand, I see a heroic bearing of witness in those healthcare workers, the way they refuse to engage in altercation or argument their vulnerability before those one-ton hunks of metal and rage, their impassiveness in the face of the cursing and the revving and the blaring, their unwillingness to move. Honestly, I see something of Christ in the self-sacrifice that their vocations require and in, in the abuse they're taking from those whose lives they would risk their own to save. So alongside my admiration, I feel anger at what I perceive to be the selfishness of the protesters, many of whom are shown in other photos, gathering in close proximity, without masks, some of whom may well end up in the hospital being tended to by the very nurses that they're yelling at. I ask myself, where's Jesus in this confrontation? 
And my immediate knee-jerk answer is, with those nurses. There's truth to that answer. I think Jesus is with our healthcare workers who may pay with their lives for others' reckless behavior. That's my personal belief. But then I also think about the worldview that I bring to this interaction and how self-confirming my response is. Have I stepped into the shoes of those protesters? Have I felt the fear churning in my stomach as I get laid off and my bank account dwindles and some politician who ignores my rural county tells me that my impending homelessness and hunger is worth the shutdown? Have I been willing to truly listen? No, I've not. Not as much as I could. And so I have to admit that I've succumbed to that self-righteous temptation to call attention to the splinter in another's eye while ignoring the log in my own. I'm not talking about whether I'm you know, wrong or right. I'm talking about taking sides and dehumanizing others and loading all my blame and anger onto them. Now, we may not all respond to this situation in the same way. In fact, I hope we don't, because how boring would that be? But even if you read this encounter between the healthcare workers and the protesters differently than I do, the thing I'm trying to get at still applies. Because it's at this point in my thinking that I recall that Jesus, his anger was righteous, but it was never self-righteous. It was never cut off from empathy. That he went to the cross asking God to forgive his persecutors because they do not know what they're doing. That he never detached himself from the love that connected him to every person. And in fact, that love gave him the strength to accept death rather than to engage in violent struggle. It was a love for all people, not just for those that he agreed with. So, you know, as I mull over this confrontation between nurses and protesters, a deeper answer to that question, where is Jesus, comes into focus. Jesus is with everybody. He's with us when we're right and with us when we're wrong and with us when we're a bit of both, which is almost all the time. He occupies that territory where love does not cancel moral judgment, but encompasses everyone, even though to one degree or another, we do not know what we are doing. And he calls that territory the kingdom of God. And he calls on us to help build it. I believe this is partly what is implied by the events in today's gospel. The risen Jesus spends the better part of a day, Easter day as it turns out, with a couple of his followers walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, about seven miles. 
but they only recognize him when they invite him to eat with them and he sits and breaks bread. Actually, Luke uses this formula of four actions that you'll recognize from communion. Take, bless or give thanks, break and give. When he was at table with them, Luke writes, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then, Luke says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. So it's only when Jesus and the disciples settle into this moment of hospitality, this first post-resurrection Eucharist, that their eyes are opened. It's not in Jesus telling them who has acted rightly or wrongly, which he doesn't do, even though he has plenty of cause to castigate them for abandoning him on the cross. It's not even in his interpreting to them the things about himself and all the scriptures, which he's been doing throughout their journey. No, the moment of recognition happens when he sits and shares a meal with them. It happens around a table in a moment of human community that is as old as humanity itself. I'm reminded of this project called The People's Supper, whose founders we heard interviewed by Krista Tippett on her On Being podcast for our adult education back in January. Those of you who participated will probably remember. These two young women, the Reverend Jennifer Bailey and Lennon Flowers, one black and one white, use, and this is a quote, shared meals to build trust and connection among people of different identities and perspectives. In the interview, they speak of having love for people they disagree with politically, and they speak of creating what they call a brave space where differences are not ignored, but trust is built between people. As their website puts it, relationships move at the speed of trust. Social change moves at the speed of relationships. That's where Jesus shows up most powerfully, in the brave space of vulnerability and communion among folks who are all mixes of right and wrong. Not to silence our moral voices, but to keep us open always to the belovedness of one another so that Jesus and his kingdom may in fact be known to us in the breaking of the bread. The People's Supper has a poem on their website by Mickey Scott Bay Jones, which I think really captures what this is about. I'm going to close with that. Together we will create brave space because there's no such thing as safe space. We exist in the real world. We all carry scars. We have all caused wounds. In this space, we seek to turn down the volume on the outside world. We amplify voices that fight to be heard elsewhere. We call each other to more truth and love. We have the right to start somewhere and continue to grow. We have the responsibility to examine what we think we know. We will not be perfect. The space will not be perfect. 
It will not always be what we wish it to be, but it will be our brave space together. And we will work on it side by side. Amen. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And if you want more information about me or the church, you can always go to our website, Holy Cross Novi, that's N-O-V-I.org. And in the meantime, have a blessed week, and you can find more sermons as we publish them in the same place you found this one. Take care.